TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. And good morning and welcome to Hardline on this Sunday morning. Brenda Alacy, Joe Beamer along for the ride. We look forward to talking with you about all things current events and politics in Western New York, local, regional, national. Uh, we have a very busy show today. Nick Langworthy will join us in just a moment. Nick is the uh, Republican state chairman, and I'm sure he has a thing or two to say about uh, the latest happenings with Governor Andrew Cuomo here in Western New York as the nursing home controversy continues to evolve. There is an incredible story uh, at The New Yorker. If you get a chance to check out that magazine, an in-depth story about the Cuomo uh, phone call to Assemblyman Ron Kim and everything that happened after that in connection with the nursing home underreporting. So we'll get uh, Nick Langworthy's take in just a moment. Your calls are welcome. Your texts, of course, 716-803-0930. Later, we'll talk to Len Lenahan, a very familiar voice here who worked in Democratic politics for a long time in Erie County. At 11 o'clock, Mark Sullivan, the CEO of Catholic Health, will join us on the latest happenings uh, in connection with COVID, visitation rights, COVID protocols, what else is happening in the health system. And then at 11.30, I'll talk with Tyler Cox, who was Rush Limbaugh's program director at a radio station in Sacramento, California in the late 1980s. And that was the last station Rush worked at locally before he hit it big on the national stage. So Tyler Cox knew Rush for more than 40 years and uh, has some very interesting takes on Limbaugh. Uh, without further ado, Joe, good morning to you. Good morning, Brenda. And, and you know, I like to give people the behind-the-scenes look. So uh, our more our 10 o'clock producer had an issue on his way in. So I'm kind of uh, doing double duty right now, co-hosting and producing. Uh, but we do have Nick Langworthy, New York State GOP. He has uh, been a very popular man this week. Nick, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Brenda. Nick, we appreciate you joining us, and I know you've been very vocal about uh, calling for Governor Cuomo to resign, and you even uh, made the analogy that it is of Nixonian proportions. Uh, what's the latest on your call for him to resign? Well, I don't think he's got the integrity to resign. I think that it's uh, what we, we started off trying to you know, push a recall uh, about a week and a half ago, uh, and by the end of last week, uh, I was calling for his impeachment. And I think that that's the more likely scenario here. Uh, but, um, you know, there's been so much news to unpack on this governor this week. You know, we learned in Tish James' 76-page report that, you know, they did indeed undercount the nursing home deaths. 
then we learned about a week later uh, by the admission of uh, Melissa DeRosa, the governor's uh, chief of staff, on a Zoom call with uh, Democratic legislators that they had covered this up. I mean, essentially admitting to a cover up. Uh, and, you know, these um, th- this can't be taken lightly. And, and then they've lied about it since. Watching Andrew Cuomo twist in the wind on these briefings, there's no longer the same hubris. There's no longer the same authoritarian voice uh, of someone that's got calling all the shots. And I got to tell you, I firmly expect that Democrats in Albany uh, will be removing his emergency powers within days uh, rather than weeks. Well, as a matter of fact, Nick, uh, the Senate Majority Leader, Andrea Stewart-Cousins, has endorsed that very move. Uh, How much of a surprise was that to you to see the Democrats say that? Well, I I think this is not a punitive measure. I mean, that's the one thing I want to make clear to people, that this doesn't all go away if they take away his emergency powers because they're not related. You know, the, the, the emergency power should have been removed long ago because uh, we don't live in a dictatorship, plain and simple. You know, we should have the full uh, uh, scope of our government involved in key decisions that affect the lives of New York taxpayers. And that's what we as Republicans have been fighting for, at, you know, uh, from, you know, our assembly members, or our senators, to our members of Congress. Uh, I know I've used every platform I have available to me to call for the removal of these powers now for months. Uh, because I think the governor's been abusing them. You know, look, look at look at the asinine color-coded system that we went under when our numbers went up again. It, you know, I live in the North Towns. We couldn't go and do indoor dining in the North Towns. But if I drove just over the county line into Niagara County, I could have gone uh, to any restaurant I, I chose. They all go to the same hospitals. We all. This was just a, a, a him flexing his muscles to show power. This had nothing to do with science. So these powers should have been long gone a long time ago, but they have nothing to do with his nursing home cover-up. We uh, learned also this week uh, that there is a federal investigation indeed happening. Uh, the FBI, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Brooklyn are involved in this. They have a probe, uh, and we'll see where that goes. Now, the feds are usually pretty tight-lipped until they you know, uh, go to tighten the noose. So we shall see. Uh, where that takes us. But, you know, it's this governor still shown zero signs of remorse for what they did uh, for the cover. And, and he's, he's blaming everyone. He's blaming Republicans. He's blaming the media. He's blaming, you know, the past president. Um, and it, it just doesn't end with him because he's not humanly capable of taking responsibility for his own actions. Yeah. Nick, I mean, from according to Governor Cuomo, it's you, Rob Orton, Fox News' fault. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I made him sign an executive order on March 25th that sent 15,000 seniors to their deaths. That's mm-hmm. exactly what I did. I didn't I didn't issue a press release with his name in it for three months at the height of this pandemic. We gave him the benefit of the doubt. and We cut the politics out. We uh, I, you know, I had dialogue with the governor during, you know, key issues that involved our electoral politics and petitions and things like that. And we gave him full cooperation. Um, th- this is not of anyone's fault but his own. He took that executive order. He signed it with his pen on his stationery on his desk, and he made the decision to send COVID-positive patients into nursing homes. Now, we didn't know a lot back in the spring about COVID. You know, I, I think we all have these conversations in our homes of like, 
but that was kind of silly what we were doing back then. Uh, but we didn't know because, uh, you know, there was still media hysteria. There was um, just the unknown was too great. Um, but what everyone did know is that this affected senior citizens more than anybody. And our, our nursing home population is the most vulnerable of all the senior citizens. Uh, why anyone would come to the conclusion that it was a good idea to put a COVID-positive patient that you knew was COVID-positive into a nursing home scenario uh, is, is just, it's reprehensible. And then he continues to double and triple down that it wasn't his executive order and that decision that spread it through the homes. It was the workers. How can you blame these heroic workers who put their own lives on the line every single day? They didn't, they, they didn't get to stay home in their jammies like so many of us. They went out and worked every single day. They put their family's health on the line, their own health on the line, and the disrespect of this governor because he's not willing to take blame and responsibility is showing to those frontline workers. It sickens me. I mean, frankly, um, so, you know, we need to find justice for these families. I've been meeting with these, um, you know, voices for seniors. You know, I've gotten to know Janice Dean. On a, uh, you know, I would at this point call her a friend. I mean, she's someone I talk to almost every day. Um, she has been so courageous going on every media program that she could possibly find to, to, to talk about her family's, you know, loss and sacrifice and to try to help get other people involved in the search for justice here. Um, and he hasn't, uh, uh, you know, talked to those families. I was in Rochester for a press event, and I uh, was joined by some, uh, uh, some, you know, surviving family members, and they told me that they actually went uh, somewhere where they knew the governor would be, and he turned his back on them. I mean, I, I just... You know, you got to have a pretty black heart to turn your back on someone that's lost loved ones in this scenario. No, for sure. And I, I think it's uh, like Ben Shapiro said this week, uh, Andrew Cuomo's apology was, I'm sorry that you thought it was my fault, uh, pretty much is what we got this week. N- Nick, I want to ask you about uh, state impeachment, because we've heard state impeachment. Uh, what would that look like in New York State, and is there the support in Albany? But to follow that, also, there is a gubernatorial race coming up soon in a year or two when is andrew cuomo actually due for election he's up in 2022 so you know during the midterm elections of 2022 we have uh, all of our constitutional offices in new york are on the line you know uh, at the federal level it's all of our house members and it's chuck schumer uh and then at the state level it's governor lieutenant governor attorney general and controller so, you know, we have a lot to unpack here between now and 2022. And it's, you know, when I went and ran for state chair, it was for this race. I mean, I, I just, I know the only way to change New York is to change governors of the state of New York. I mean, the, the Senate majority, yeah, that would, I would love to have it back, but um, they can stop bad things from happening. They can't drive an agenda like you can through the executive. If we're going to get the state on a reset, it has to come through the executive branch of, of our government. Um, you know, the recall, or not the recall, but the impeachment, it works a lot like the federal government. You know, articles of impeachment come through the assembly, I believe, and then, you know, the Senate uh, comes through. I mean, that's the way it's been described to me. I haven't spent a ton of time um, studying it from a, a constitutional standpoint. I, I think we're probably a, a touch premature in saying that it's a likelihood, Um 
but there's there's a lot of evidence and there's even a lot of Democrats now that are very unhappy uh, with uh, with with Governor Cuomo and in the treatment. I mean, the the one thing that we can't um, not bring up here is how he treated Assemblyman Ron Kim this week and what came to light. Uh, now, no one probably had ever heard in Buffalo of Ron Kim, but Ron Kim is an Asian uh, assembly member uh, and is someone that lost uh, an uncle to COVID-19 in the nursing homes. And he has been a vocal uh, proponent of helping us, you know, to get the, the truth and the facts out on this. And the governor called him and started to threaten him uh, the other day. He called him on four different occasions. And Ron Kim, you could read plenty of stories if you Google that name uh, this week, if, you, if you've if you missed it. But um, this brought the governor's bully tendencies to the forefront to people that may not have been familiar. He gets on the phone with people. He screams. He hollers. His staff does the same thing. Uh, and that's how they've governed this state for the last decade. You know, the, the, the little secret that uh, is coming out is it's the Democrats that hate the governor just as much, if not more than the Republicans. Uh, so you're not seeing any established Democrats, whether it be members of Congress or assembly members or senators. No one's coming to this guy's aid because it just shows how popular he is uh, because he's been a bully. And uh, the way I, I look at life is when you when you're up against a bully, uh, just like on the playground, you punch them in the face and you find out what they really are made of. Nick, uh, at the top of the show, I referenced the New Yorker article, um, and it, it opens with uh, a paragraph about how Ron Kim was bathing his children. He's got very young kids, all under the age of eight. And at eight o'clock in the morning, he answers the phone, and it's the governor screaming at him. And it really uh, frightened his wife, and uh, obviously the kids were concerned about what was going on. It's And it tells a very in-depth story about uh, Cuomo's tactics, and especially about how he handled this situation with uh, the assemblyman. So uh, quite an interesting look at Cuomo's character in this story, as reported by The New Yorker. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, too, Nick, about what you said earlier this past week about political donations might be fueling all of the governor's actions. What exactly did you mean by that? Well, I think you got to you know, you just somewhere in the middle of this story, because if you ask 25 people on the street, you know, do you think it was a good idea to put the COVID positive patients in the nursing homes? 25 people would tell you it was a dumb idea. I mean, you know, if, if one kindergartner has the flu, you keep them home until they're better. If you put them back in the kindergarten class, then all the kids are going to have the flu. I mean, this is just common sense. So as you peel back the onion here, there's got to be some nugget at the middle of this as to why the decision was made. Because let's, let's review. You had the USS Comfort, 1,000 hospital beds. You had the Javits Center, over 1,000 hospital beds. You had field hospitals created all around Metro New York City uh, uh, at, at wicked expense to the federal and state governments. You had most of those never were used. The hospitals, you know, you, you heard of a couple hospitals that, you know, crashed, but for the most part, they didn't. And... Why would we send sick people into buildings full of people that have little or no immune system? So, you know, the question remains as to why. Like, and I think that's what so many people in this situation, you know, are waiting for is that, that aha moment. Like, what 
fueled this. And, you know, the thing that some people are talking about is, you know, maybe it's one of these large and influential hospital associations, like the Greater New York Hospital Association. Medicaid reimbursement rates are something that are very complicated. They're very difficult for any layman to understand, and that's why they have so many lawyers and accountants that work for these, uh, you know, hospitals. Was there some incentive to not have those patients in those hospital beds and sending them, you know, back to the nursing homes? There's got to be a financial gain somewhere to someone. Otherwise, this makes no sense. There's also inconvenient truths for Andrew Cuomo, like the fact that, you know, these very powerful hospital associations in New York City, their chief lobbyist happens to be Melissa DeRose's dad. Uh, So, you know, listen, is it circumstantial? Of course it is. But something has to stink here because it defies any sort of common sense as to why one governor in America decided to do this, and it's ours. And Andrew Cuomo has to explain to people why the hell would you do something so stupid. Do you think subpoenas will uh, be issued? Well, I think that you're going to ha- I mean, if there's a federal investigation uh, ongoing, uh, subpoenas should fly. You know, I, I don't think that we'll all get to see all that information. Um, you know, I, I pray that Tish James has some courage here and continues the fight. We haven't heard if she's going to have any sort of investigation beyond the report that she's already issued. But I think that uh, it's certainly in order. She's, she's got enough investigators that work for her. And uh, in, in New Yorkers deserve answers. And I believe there's been a variety of state and federal crimes committed here. Uh, but, you know, they're the only ones that can, you know, can can make those decisions. Uh, but the pressure from the public needs to continue um, to to ramp up. And I encourage anyone listening here, you know, call your assembly member and your senator and ask them what they're doing about this to, to help bring answers to this situation. I mean, our governor lied to us. Our governor lied to America as he stood, sat there every day, and, and many of those briefings were carried nationally. And it, he, I mean, it wouldn't be so bad if he didn't declare himself the model for all else to follow, you know, that he was this heroic COVID leader and had all the answers. And in, in, in the president, you know, he, he, he trashed him every day despite the – extraordinary amount of support that came to New York from the federal government, uh, especially in the early days of COVID-19. You know, the governor declared himself a hero. He wrote a book. He he did all of the things that, you know, someone with a gigantic ego would do. And it's all based on a lie. Nick, before our time is up, we only have about a minute left. Uh, Quick thoughts on the gubernatorial race. Who do you think the Republicans will uh, put forth as a candidate? Well, we have launched a search. I mean, this is something that I've felt very strongly about, and that's it's basically why I ran for state chairman of the party to take this race on. And, you know, you you look at people that have a proven track record at the ballot box. uh, It's certainly not limited to that. Everything is on the table. Uh, But let's let's look at our federal delegation. and We've got some real stars there uh, at the outset. I mean, you got Congressman Tom Reed out here in Western New York. You have... uh, you know, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik uh, from the Adirondack region of the, of the of the state. She's a she's a national figure at this point, and someone that you know has been very very vocal on holding the governor accountable. Uh, and then there's another congressman, Lee Zeldin from Long Island, who's a Iraq War veteran, but has also been uh, a fierce critic of the governor. I mean, all three of them would be incredible candidates for governor, and and several of them have shown 
at least, you know, some interest in, in this race and all have, have worked very hard to, you know, bring answers uh, from, you know, Governor Cuomo's uh, cover up on COVID-19 in the nursing home. So I, I look at those three. I mean, there's some people that suggest Janice Dean herself could be a great candidate. Um, but then, you know, there's other people that are, you know, we're in discussions with. We are casting the widest possible net. Names that you've heard, names that you haven't heard. Uh, but we are very dedicated to this. I think uh, people see the vulnerability of the governor uh, at this point. And, you know, for the longest time, his bully tactics hurt us in recruitment. And people didn't want to step up because they were afraid of him. I think that fear factor is, is gone flying out the window, especially in the last week. Now, last week was a pivotal week in the history of New York State politics. And, Nick, as I've been saying, a little commentary here. You go back to those uh, April and May where he every day, 1130, it was the Governor Cuomo uh, talk show, you know, where he had guests and uh, special surprises. You know, he, he was the guy to watch. CNN carried it. Everyone was carrying this. And now you look back at the things he was calling President Trump out for, things he was calling the Republican Senate out for. Really, he should have been maybe taking care of his own state. It's uh, it, it's based on a fraud, and uh, he it, this governor has, and I've been saying it for a while. He's more focused on his publicity and his own power uh, over the decisions that get made than he has been about any single life in the state of New York. I mean, it, we we lead every terrible category. We still have the most deaths. We have the most deaths in nursing homes. He's killed the most jobs in the most businesses. He, by his own admission, our economy can't get back on track in New York State until at least 2025. How is that acceptable? How is that uh, someone that's forward thinking and doing the right thing? No, so I know we're, we're out of time, but real quick, Nick, if you can give me a 30-second answer here. Do you see any parallels between Governor Cuomo and former President Trump, both New York guys, both like power, both strong you know, in their opinions and the way they approach things. Do you see any a parallel there? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both strong personalities from Queens. Um, there's, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that there's the same, um, you know, I, I got to know both men to some extent. Uh, Andrew Cuomo doesn't want to check in with anybody and wants to be a dictator. And that's what these emergency powers have been. Uh, President Trump never had that opportunity to just unilaterally make decisions. Um, and that's, that's the difference here. Congress was always in the game, and we had divided government throughout the pandemic. So uh, the, the difference is the Democrats, uh, and, and I think everyone should call, many of the Democrats in our local delegation who have done nothing uh, but give him this power, and they refuse to vote to take it back, and ask them what they think about this situation. Because their silence is, you know, they're either with it or they're complicit. New York State Republican Chairman Nick Langworthy. Nick, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thanks so much. When we come back, we will talk to Lynn Linehan. But first, we're going to get caught up with Alan Harris. And welcome back. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Got clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here 
on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024. Brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Back to Hardline on this 21st day of February. I don't know about you, but I'm glad it's a short month. <laughs> Looking forward to putting February in the rearview mirror. Uh, we are joined now by former Erie County Democratic Chairman Len Lenahan. Len, nice of you to come on this Sunday morning. Good morning. Brenda, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Fine, fine. Good, good. Joe Beamer is here as well. And Len, I know you've got a busy morning. Um, you are going for your second COVID vaccination, right? I am. Matter of fact, I'm sitting in front of uh, Rite Aid at Niagara Falls Boulevard now. Just so I get here, I can go right in after we complete our interview and, you know, fill out the paperwork. There's a little paperwork you have to do before you get the shot. But yeah, I'm very. my wife and I are both very happy getting our second shots today. You know, it's funny. There's a lot of reports in the news lately about how some people are concerned about getting that second shot because they experience side effects uh, during the first shot. Have you had any concern about getting a second shot? You know, I really don't. I mean, I, do, I have heard and I, I've seen on Facebook and, you know, I, some people are experiencing sore arms. But most of our friends that have gotten their second shot already um, have experienced very little difficulty. They seem to be doing very well. You know, you know we expect a little soreness. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll see, but we're very excited about getting this uh, shot, and, uh, and hopefully everybody else will get theirs very soon as well. Yes, let's hope so. I can't wait to get one. Len, uh, Joe and I wanted to talk to you today. Uh, you were a, a, a local figure in politics for a long, long time and uh, certainly had a lot of national connections and state connections. What is your take on uh, Governor Cuomo's underreporting of the nursing home deaths? Well, you know, Oh, I think overall, and I, may have, I just looked at some polling numbers yesterday, uh, most of the state is very happy, you know, overall with how he's handled the communications during this, you know, obviously very difficult time. Um, and, you know, the other reporting uh, apparently, you know, occurred during the, just the height of the chaos last uh, late March. And, um, and he, has said, he has said himself uh, this past week that, it, you know, that he could have handled it better. But, you know, there has been an incredible, uh, you know, amount of responsibility been put on elected officials throughout the country. Um, and New York was the center of the storm. Last, let's face it, all those airplanes came in, came in for the New York City, all the airports there from Europe and, you know, all over the world. And really, New York was in the middle of the storm. And the, the governor, the mayor, all the elected officials had to respond very quickly. And the bottom line is, you know, it was a misstep. Um, he, he said this week that he regretted, he, you know, he should have put those two lists together, the, the lists from the nursing homes and the lists from the hospitals. Um, that didn't happen. But the bottom line is, I just reading this morning's paper, um, the number of, uh, of cases are down, you know, to a three-week low uh, this morning. And uh, more the hospitalizations are down. So cro- progress is being made, you know, at a, you know, at a very tough time. You know, overall, you know, the good news is nationwide, 
you know, the month of January, we were having 200,000, 250,000 cases a day. That's now down, you know, just seven weeks later, it's now down to under 100,000 a day. Um, in January, we had 3,000 to 3,500 deaths a day. That's now down under 1,000. So I think the, this, this whole COVID thing is moving in the right direction. I think once the COVID Relief Act is passed by the new Biden administration, it's going to provide a lot of assistance to small businesses, the families that are struggling. And I think, you know, I have to say this, uh, Brenda, I think Biden has brought in the A-team uh, of, of professionals to handle this pandemic. Um, that we're now on, Everybody's now on the same page. There's no dispute about wearing masses, masses or whatever. Everybody's uh, working together. I think the vaccine situation is, you know, Biden was talking about a, a, a million vaccines a day. We've had days where we've had 2 million and 1.7 million and 1.8 million. So the, the bottom line is the whole situation is moving in the right direction, but still a long way to go. And, a, you know, just too many people have suffered for too long. And I think the, the COVID relief package will help that. You know, uh, Lynn, yes, the, the governor still has an above 50 percent approval rating for a Democrat in New York. It's difficult to have under 50 percent. But do you think it would have been more beneficial to him to get this out of the news or to at least accept responsibility early on instead of deflecting it to the former administration um, and calling Democrat members of the legislature? Do you think if he would have just come out and been honest from day one, it would have been more beneficial to him and would have helped the state move along to, as you mentioned, more um, pressing issues right now? Well, look, at, he, he, did, he did admit that this was a mistake. He should have, um, he should have added those two lists together. So he should have come out with those numbers uh, earlier, faster. Um, but again, it's not like he hasn't had anything else to do. I mean, let's to try to put this in perspective, the whole pandemic bounced on New York State first, and it's been. And I think the Cuomo administration did a great job of getting the, uh, of, uh, getting the curve down, getting the number of cases down. Then we got hit with the second wave, and um, you know, again, a whole new uh, array of things had to be done to to cope with this. But yeah, he he has said this is a misstep, but I think he's also focused on you know, getting this behind them and getting on with uh, getting people vaccinated in New York, uh, continuing to bring down the number of cases and, all the, and also getting our hospitals, you know, getting the number of people in the hospitals down. Uh, that needs to be done. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I think, you know, I think even President Trump would admit now that he's out of office that he could have done things a little bit better, too. He, he really tried to downplay the beginning of the uh, a pandemic. Uh, said it was a hoax, said it was going to go away when the weather got nice. And obviously that was that was way, that was not reality. So I think probably now that he's out of office, he's probably thinking about what he could have done better as well. But the, but the governor, not only in New York State, but in every state, are still in the middle of this very difficult situation. And let's just hope uh, for all of our sakes that everybody, Republicans and Democrats together, work together to get this thing um under control, get people vaccinated, get them back to their lives as soon as possible, their normal lives. And um, and I think this COVID relief package will do a whole lot to to strengthen the those people that have been affected the worst, people who have lost their jobs. Um, of course, you know, we've lost 500,000 lives in, in, in the United States. We've got 4% of the world's population. We've, we've got 20 to 25% of the deaths. So we've got a lot of catching up to do. I think that I think Biden has brought in the A team. I think they're going to do a great job, competent people in all levels of, of, of service. And 
and uh, and they're laser focused on getting this under control. That's a good. Glenn, uh, back to uh, Cuomo for a moment. One of our texters to the uh, Volkswagen of Orchard Park text board said Andrew Cuomo has managed to do the impossible: unite Democrats and Republicans against him. And while you call it a misstep, uh, there are others who think that there is uh, much more uh, nefarious things at play here. Even Letitia James, a liberal Democrat, put forth a scathing report. Bill de Blasio, no friend of Cuomo's, of course, has come out and said uh, the call that Cuomo made to uh, Assemblyman Ron Kim was vintage bullying Cuomo. Um, When you were an an officer in, in your position, I should say, for a long time, what type of relationship did you have with Cuomo? How did how did you view him? Well, I viewed him as a a very uh, intense, very tough um, government official. Uh, matter of fact, he 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 wasn't thrilled with that I was even chairman of the Democratic Party in Erie County. But the fact is, um, we've worked to keep the Democratic Party together, working with the state as, as best we can. Um, look at Andrew Cuomo is very intense. He's uh, he doesn't suffer fools gladly. He, you know, he uh, he can be tough, and uh, and and perhaps Brenda, maybe this is a good time, uh, given um, what you know the, what has happened with these revelations about the the different lists between the nursing homes and the hospitals. Maybe this is a time for him, you know, perhaps to lighten up a little bit and to renew his relationships with uh, the legislature. Obviously, at some point, he some of those powers he has that's been given to him. It, during the, the height of the crisis last March, it, those are going to expire sometime in April. Who knows? They may expire sometime before that. But uh, I think now is a good time for everybody to start working together, knowing that this pandemic is, uh, is hopefully going to be over sometime this year. We're going to get our people vaccinated, get them protected from the virus, and, uh, and really get back to uh, normal, getting the schools open, which uh, he's trying to do, and um, and get back, you know, get people back to uh, a more normal existence. And again, give us time to grieve for all those people that we've lost to this uh, this horrible crisis. No doubt about it, Len. Uh, it's it's been absolutely surreal for the past year plus now. And uh, I, in my opinion, I think this will uh, haunt Cuomo. And I think the Republicans have a very good chance of. Uh, getting a GOP governor in place after many years of Democratic uh, dominance. Uh, But speaking of Democrats in power for a long time, Len, I wanted to get your take on uh, whether you think Byron Brown will run again for Buffalo mayor. He's been in office uh, an unprecedented number of terms. And uh, how do you think his his legacy will be and if he will continue in that position for the time being as, as the next run comes about? Well, so far, um, it's my understanding, Brenda, there's not a whole lot of opposition to him. Um, you know, it's tough during these difficult times uh, with the economy and, in, 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 you know, in a free fall after the pandemic, all the people suffering from the pandemic. It's tough to govern at the local level. I, you have to you really give it to a lot of the local executives, Mark Polenkars and Byron and the governor and others who have experienced this absolutely alternative reality of literally having to take care of people individually in their own communities day to day. It's been tough. Uh, usually local government is, is, is the, the area where that gets done. So um, Byron um, has been in office now. He's in his, his fourth term. Um, and he, although he hasn't announced his intentions, it, it sounds like to me, reading the tea leaves, he's getting ready to run again. But from what I've seen, there's little or no opposition to him. So we'll have to see how that goes. 
Lynn, let me ask you on, on a national perspective here. As a Democrat, you know, look, for the last four years, five years, Democrats were quick to point out when President Trump uh, was exaggerating the truth, let's say. Um, in, in the first few months, Joe Biden had a town hall this week where there were four instances where he exaggerated the truth. And it seems like people on the left are making excuses for Joe Biden that weren't there with President Trump. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, let's let's rehash the last four years. But do you think it would be better for the the Biden administration to just admit that Trump did have the vaccines? They just don't agree with the plan he had in place. Well, I think most people agree that Trump tried to get the vaccine developed while he was in office. Um, You know, certainly I don't think anybody disputes that, you know, he he. He tried best he can to get that vaccine developed. Obviously, it took many, many people in the world of science, in the private sector, and business to to, to, to really get it done. But the, the bottom line, I, I think you know Biden's been in office a month, and he's really been inherited this incredible pandemic, and also an economy that's reeling from the effects of the pandemic. And he's real, he's laser focused. He didn't get overly involved in the. The, the second impeachment over the storming of the Capitol, he, he stayed away from that because he's focused like a laser beam on getting this uh, this pandemic behind us and, and, and saving lives and getting people vaccinated and, and, and returning to some sort of normal. Um, you know, Trump has had his opportunity for four years and he's out of office now. And we now have a you know big set of problems we're dealing with. Uh, but do, do I think there's any comparison between you know, if, if Biden exaggerates something once in a while compared to Trump, Trump exaggerated things every day he was in office. And I don't really want to rehash the Trump days. I mean, they're over. Um, it, it ended badly with with an attack on the Capitol. Um, people died. It was, you know, he was denying the results of an election that his own Republican administration said was totally uh, run properly. And there was, there was no widespread fraud. Judges that he appointed uh, said no to his uh, lawsuits that were, you know, most people said they were frivolous. So, you know, do I think Biden deals with everyday reality a little bit better than Trump? I certainly do. And, um, you know, let's give him a chance. He's been in office a month. Um, you know, the numbers are going down, uh, number of cases, deaths. And the most important thing, more people are being vaccinated every day. Uh, which I'm going to be doing quite shortly. <laughs> As you said, you know, vaccines are out. The numbers are going down. He, he's only a month in, but let's look a year in the future, if you don't mind. Let's say this pandemic is behind us. Now, usually the uh, party of the president does not perform uh, particularly well in the midterms. Do you see this this 2022 being any different, or is it just too early to say? Well, I think it's too early to say, but I think – I think things are different. I mean, obviously, the last four years were were something like we've never seen before and how one person handled his governance and how he handled uh, day-to-day affairs. And now we have a, a, a guy who is more steeped in experience uh, in governing, uh, who thinks governing is important, thinks government can play a positive role in people's lives. And I think people are going to re- – I mean, there's one number we haven't talked about, the support for the COVID relief package – is running between 62 and 68 percent, including you know great numbers of Republicans and independents. So, yeah, there's a lot of brouhaha and division and politics going on in Washington. But out in the, the real world, out in the, in the middle of uh, Buffalo, New York, in the middle of Wisconsin, middle of uh, Illinois, uh, most people just want their problems um, addressed. 
And there's overwhelming support for the COVID relief package that the Biden administration has put up. And I think it's going to pass. And I think it's going to pass soon, probably sometime in early March. And then once that happens, I think people are going to say, hey, government really can work. We don't have to fight all the time. We can we can focus. You know, if they want to fight in Washington, let that go on and on. But the bottom line is Biden is focused on taking care of everyday people who don't have lobbyists, don't have special interest groups uh, propping them up in Washington. Um, the bottom line is I think Biden has restored the sense that government can make a difference. He's going to prove it. And uh, he's only been in office a month. But so far, I would say so good. Len Lenahan, former Erie County Democratic chairman. Len, we really appreciate you taking time out, sitting in the parking lot uh, to join us. Uh, Good luck with your second vaccination and uh, stay well. Thanks, Brenda. Always good to talk to you and best uh, enjoy the day. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Joe, much more to come. We are only halfway done here. In fact, uh, CEO of Catholic Health, Mark Sullivan, will join us uh, right after the 11 o'clock news. And then we'll uh, talk at 1135 with Tyler Cox. He had the pleasure of interviewing Tyler, who was uh, Rush Limbaugh's program director back in Sacramento before Rush hit it big. Much more to come on Hardline right here on News Radio 930 WBEN.